this week on Invasion the Podcast, and the award goes to the Emoji Movie. Did we survive Godzilla, Planet of Monsters? And it's Steve versus the Floppatron. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the river, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I'm Paul, and to my left is Steve. Hello again, everyone. And I just saw this while I was like being stupid looking at my phone. I want to mention this real quick, if you would do this. Uh, January 27th, it's the ninth annual 24-hour Groundhog Day Marathon at the Gateway Film Center that's down in um, Columbus. Okay. From 2 p.m. one day until 2 p.m. the next day, they just show Groundhog Day. <laughs> Over and over and over again, and if you make it all the way through, you get like uh, a year's worth of like passes to the Gateway Film Center, which they're they're similar to like our Cleveland Cinemas, where they do a lot of different like, like oh, movie marathons cool. and show cool movies. Like I love Groundhog Day. Could you could you watch it for twenty four hours? I mean, that's the joke. I get it. it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Like I would I would try, but like. I always talk about wanting to go to the 12 hours of terror, and then I'm like, I don't know that I can make it through 12 hours of movies. But that's like six different movies. Yeah. (laughs) But for whatever reason, there's this part of me that's like, yeah, I could watch 24 hours of Groundhog Day. So, yeah, I would want to try, but I would probably bow out after like six hours. (laughs) So you'd watch it it at least three times. Yeah. And be like, you know what? I just can't do the fourth time. If I have to hear Sonny and Cher one more time, you know, or Mm -hmm. Ned Ryerson one more time. You know, Ned, Ned Ryerson. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I could do it once, but I wouldn't, I, I would never do it again. And I'd probably never watch Groundhog Day ever again. Yeah. That's fair. You know, so I, I mean, but also, like, I think I'd also try planning on a way of finding a way to sleep in the theater just because I feel like I'd probably have to zone out after a while and just, like, put, like, some earplugs in and listen to something else for a minute, you know? Maybe I'd put yeah, on Dark I Side mean, of the Moon and see if it syncs up with Groundhog Day Do you have for, like, to be awake hour. throughout the entire thing? I, I don't know about that. Because I keep thinking of the episode of The Simpsons where Homer's in the jury box and he's got the glasses on that look like his <laughs> eyes are open. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the 12 Hours of Terror, like, you can sleep in the theater. Like, the, you know, it's fine. I mean, you don't get a prize at the end. But I mean, nothing right. to surprise anyway. The prize um, is making it through the twelve hours. Yeah, right, and not being terrified to death. But yeah, it's a fun idea. I I would try it once. I did, but I just but I also know that like at least Groundhog Day is a good film. If it was like some of the stuff that we've talked about before here, if it was like A tour the Fighting Eagle for twenty four hours, I don't think I could do it. I think I'd lose my mind. You know, yeah. like we we should sponsor a twenty four hour showing of A tour. That no one would show up for the first showing, and then <laughs> run to an empty theater for you know the other seventy-seven showings or whatever it is. Um, and that's uh, yeah. Real, before we get anything and everything honest and oh, honest, uh, before we get anything, uh, whatever words I want to say. I hope you guys enjoyed our look at um, at Conan the Barbarian versus. Uh, or I should say Ator versus Conan the Barbarian. We've had a lot of fun so far kicking off the year of the knockoff. I have something I'm thinking about doing for the blog for the next week. I don't want to say what it is yet, um, but 
that could be bad as in fun as well. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you have any suggestions, let us know. I know Steve and I had a good time watching Ator. And I'm looking for, because uh, I'm a big fan of 80s comedies, particularly the teen sex comedies like the Porky's, Your Revenge of the Nerds. I'm looking for something that would fit into that. Like, what was the knockoff? Uh, so if you guys have any suggestions on that, that's one that I'm pushing for. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if suggestions would be great. So anyway, uh, before we get into news, uh, I just want to mention we d- I did go see RoboCop at midnight at the Capitol. That was fun. Uh, it's always fun seeing RoboCop, so it's fun seeing the crowd. Um, I think some of the jokes, I think there was there was at least a couple people there I know that had not seen RoboCop at all. So this was their first showing. Oh, wow. So it makes me wonder how that movie feels to them today when I feel like this movie really, I think it's aged pretty well. Aside from the Ford Taurus being the police car of the future, I think RoboCop's actually aged really well with its, its, its sense of humor and the special effects are still really, really good. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my wife about that um Sunday, uh, we went out to breakfast and we were just talking about. I was like, "Yeah, I didn't get a chance to go last night," and she's like, "I haven't seen that movie in forever." And we were both thirteen when that movie came out, and I was talking about just the fact I'm like, "Yeah, I probably shouldn't have seen that in the theater." I'm like, "But <laughs> I was thirteen; there was no stopping me." Um, but at the same time, she's like, "Yeah, I don't remember it being that violent." I'm like, "That movie is super <laughs> violent." I'm like, "You need to like sit back and rewatch that movie." Oh yeah. I'm like, when just... was the last time you saw it? And apparently, she hasn't seen it in years, so I yeah. need to have. A- uh, like sit down and ha- uh, have a screening with her because even today, like I watch it, I'm like, God, I can't believe they did that back then. Well, there, like, there's that that scene, um, and the, the, this is spoiler RoboCop. I, but we we talked about RoboCop on an episode earlier, so we spoiled it before. Uh, there's a bit where the like the, whenever um, Boddicker, not Boddicker, well Boddicker's there, but um, uh, Murphy is like on his knees. He already had his hand shot off, and the the thugs are all kind of like laughing at him, and they're getting ready to put a bolt in his head. Yeah, the camera swings around. And you see the front of you know Alex Murphy's face, and he's in agony. And then the camera moves behind his head, and then they do like a squib shot where the, like you know the back of his head gets blown out because of this gunshot. That's a puppet, like that's an animatronic head on us, like like whatever. So, but it looks so real that you think it's Peter Weir for a second. Yeah, and it's like they just shot Peter Weir. Like it's it holds up so well. The stop motion at two at two oh nine. Doesn't hold hold up just because it's stop motion, which that's funny that I mentioned that because we're gonna talk about Godzilla later. But it's still so much fun. I love robots that growl like dogs and then then squeal like hogs when they can't uh, go down stair steps. Yeah. So, yeah. and I should correct myself really quick because I did this last week uh, on the Dana Carvey episode where I said that she said that uh, she didn't like him. It's not that she didn't like him; she just doesn't find him that funny. And I said that she didn't think that <laughs> RoboCop was that violent. Her quote, now that I think about it, was compared to today's movies, it's not that violent. And I'm like, I still think compared, I, it's, still it's still pretty violent. violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, someone gets shot in the junk. Uh, like I said, hands get blown off, heads get shot. It's doesn't it doesn't pull any punches. Uh, someone gets someone gets cut in the neck with a, a with basically a USB stick, a really sharp USB stick. Yes, but the best one is um, radioactive I, man getting yeah. squished, just blown up by the car because it looks like somebody just threw tomatoes up on a windshield. <laughs> like it's so yeah. Help me, no, like, no, no. We're not helping you because you fell into the trauma vat. Yeah, like, that's how fast he got. Like yeah. So anyway, RoboCop was fun. Um, and I just I want to mention Friday night, I was at the AIW wrestling show. It's uh, always, not always, absolutely intense wrestling is what's called. Not always intense. 
Uh, if you guys are, if you guys are all interested in wrestling, you should go support your local promotions. It was a good time, a lot of fun. Um, the gentleman who closed the show, his name is Raymond Rowe. He is Cleveland local. Just got signed by the WWE, and so that was his, like his last show that he could do before going into that system. So a lot of fun. Uh, these guys do things that I could never possibly do physically, uh, and I sat with a bunch of guys that look like me physically watching that. So it was it was a really really good time. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see that sometime. I've never like whether it's professional or otherwise, I've never actually seen a wrestling match. So. It, it's it's fun. Like I, you know, these guys they put their body on the line, and you can tell that like the, it, wrestling the the art of wrestling is real. The, the things that you see may not be, but the way that they go about pulling off these moves and making you believe in the moment that that looked like that absolutely hurt. And you're just like, you can't, I don't know. You just like your brain. It's, it's kind of like a magic trick. It's like close up magic where it's like, where did the card go? It's like that guy died. You don't know. Right. Like when you see the stuff happen, you're like, there's no way that guy's getting up and walking and having a normal life again. Like it just, it just, you believe it, you know? And it's, it's a lot of fun. And then the guys, the, the people, they, they play to the crowd and it's, it's a good time. So I know there's another AIW show coming at the end of February. It's the 25th. Uh, it's local in Cleveland. But if you guys are listening wherever you're at, I'm sure there is a small, uh, like local wrestling promotion. Just, you know, there's worse ways to spend $20. And it was, it was a good, like, good five hour show. So, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, it goes on for quite a while. But well, anyway, that was my fun weekend was wrestling, RoboCop, and then relaxation. That was my three. Three R words: wrestling, RoboCop, and relaxation. Nice. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's it. I don't know if you had anything from the weekend that uh, that happened. Uh, no. I mean, I did watch a uh, a film that's on. Uh, it's only available on YouTube because it never made the transfer from uh, from VHS to uh, DVD. A movie called uh, Project Metal Beast. It's a <laughs> fine ninety n- or a nineteen ninety five film about. Uh, uh, a werewolf that uh, is given metal skin, and See, I'll leave it there. Project Metal Beast sounds like either like a Nintendo game or a band that opens for like a, like a, well, a more well known metal band. Like, you know, give it up for Project Metal Beast, you know, like, <laughs> followed uh, by Metal Church. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I you've described this film to me. You described you told me who was in it. I kind of want to watch it. So yeah, that was that was my big uh, weekend. Uh, thing that i did so, hey you know yeah. i mean after the level of a toward the flying eagle i'm sure project metal beast was like you know what production design on this is pretty good <laughs> it was a nice uh, palate cleanser yeah so all right let's just uh get to the news if i can find the news button uh <laughs> everyone it's not in the usual spot i had to read the buttons <laughs> i was just gonna make a joke about the small buttons and then like yeah. as soon as i started to talk it just you yeah. found it well because so. the, the the program that i use for the the, the, the thing that you know I, I always miss the buttons on i can make bigger buttons but i have less options but for what we're doing later i need more buttons but originally i had this app on my iphone so if mm-hmm. you think these buttons are small they were way smaller on the iPhone, which was like, like my fingers, they're still the same size. So right. I, it was bad. Like, <laughs> and you guys could, you earlier episodes, I'm sure it's like, oh, no, it must be easy. Nope. Like, so like me and my big sausage fingers. So uh, news, um, some award nominations. So the Oscars were, uh, list came out and the Razzies. Um, we'll talk about the Oscars first because there's not as much there that I know about. And the Razzies, we can kind of get into a little bit. Um, big, big surprises for me. Uh, get out 
uh, and The Shape of Water. Well, Shape of Water, I was hoping would be nominated for Best Picture, but Get Out got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Best Picture has like they can have up to ten nominees now, so you know that there's stuff that they're they're nominating that they probably won't win, but needs to be noticed. I mean, I don't think Get Out's going to win as much as I'd love it to win, even though versus Shape of Water, I think Shape of Water was a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the better film, but it'd just be amazing if Get Out won Best Picture. Right. Um, But you got some some heavy, heavy hitters here. Like, I feel like something like Dunkirk's going to pull it out just because it's like the the big World War II movie. Um, And then also, what else? Like, the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri has been getting a lot of heat, too. Yeah, we're actually planning on seeing that hopefully Saturday. It's been on our list because we got the the movie pass. um, And for whatever reason, the theater near us keeps showing it at, like, 12.30 or 10.45 at night. So, like, we haven't had a chance to, like a good day to make it to one of the two screenings. So uh, Saturday, that's actually our game plan. Cool. So. All right. So you'll let us know how good that is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to see it. Of the films that were nominated, I've only seen three so far. I've seen Get Out, I've seen Lady Bird, and I've seen The Shape of Water. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about Call Me By Your Name um, or Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour is um, it's also a World War II film. It deals with um, Winston Churchill. Uh, oh, okay. That's, yeah, and so all uh, all ten of the nominees, I, I'm actually interested in seeing. I mean, if like so, three three billboards, Shape of Water, The Post, which I, I really want to see. The Post, it's Spielberg, it's Hanks, it's going to be good, right? Uh, Phantom Thread, that just it, that feels like it's the probably the most like high mindest art film, but it's you know Paul Thomas Anderson, so it's going to be good, right? And um, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but um, before Lady, Lady Bird, they did show the Phantom Thread uh, trailer. The Phantom Menace Thread. <laughs> but what kept going through my mind was, is it played, the trailer to me just played like, uh, almost like a spoof of like an Oscar award winning <laughs> movie in the sense that like it just felt very like this is very arty and very high minded. Yeah. You know, I, and, and I'm sure it is. And I'm sure it's a lovely film. And I don't mean to, you know, make light of it, but there was just something about it that just felt very like. I don't know. Uh, it feels to me like a film that that feels out of time in terms of like you would look back and be like, oh, well, that came out in the 80s with like the big, like all those big, like, you know, well-produced motion pictures that went for awards that was always like duking it out against each other. Right. And that's maybe maybe in that kind of vein, right? But I still, I mean, it has good lineage. It has, you know, like I... I would sit down and watch this film without a problem. And then Lady Bird, which you've seen, I want to see. Get Out, which I thought was great. Dunkirk, which I've not seen, I really want to see because I love Nolan. Uh, Darkest Hour, I, I heard mixed things about it, but I've heard, um, oh, who plays Churchill in that? I guess I'll find out here in a second. Is it Gary uh, Oldman? Gary Oldman, yeah. I'm I'm interested in him. And Call Me By Your Name is, uh, I know it's a love story. It's Army Hammer and uh, the other guy, that Timothy Chalamet. Like it's more of like a coming of age love story type thing. Okay, I, I it sounds it sounds wonderful. So there's not every single time when awards are nominated where I'm like, you know what, I could see all ten of these films. That's not always the case where I'm just like, yeah, half of them I'm not. It's not on my radar. Right. Um. But further on here, uh, I like that uh, Greta Gerwig got nominated for best director for Lady Bird. That you know you don't you don't get too many females nominated for. Best director, right? Like, and and she's you know deserving from like what everybody's saying. Jordan Peele got dr- nominated for Get Out. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I 
and I, I don't want it to be, you know, just because um, it's a horror movie. Because, like, there's in the circles that I run, in the sense that, like, a lot of people are just excited, like, hey, there's two, you know, horror movies that have been, you know, nominated. And there's a whole debate then about is Get Out a horror movie or is The Shape of Water a horror movie? And I think Del Toro actually just said in an interview today that I believe he considers that to be a, a, a horror movie, even though it's not particular to the specific genre it, it, it has, has a fish roots. monster in it yes um so um but i i i would really like to see because uh, i don't want to make it sound like oh it's just i want a horror movie to win i just <laughs> i think those actually of the movies that i've seen this year those are the two best movies that i've seen yeah and, so. and they were my my uh, top three you know and uh and the other one was baby driver which was nominated for things too but not best picture um you know sadly enough but whatever i it's one of my favorite movies i'm not getting out oscars um, but uh, what else we got here? Uh, uh, Daniel Kalua, Kalua, I cannot pronounce his last name right. He's the lead in Get Out. He was nominated for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, like it's just you see these like, like uh, Sally Hawkins got nominated for Best Actress in The Shape of Water, which that she that uh, since she plays a mute, like it's really good performance. You know, yeah. like you get it. Just yeah. Um, so that that's awesome. Um, Best supporting actor. I'm surprised Michael Shannon didn't show up for Shape of Water, but yeah, yeah, like his his performance is fantastic in that movie. I think I mentioned that when we talked about the actual movie itself. Yeah, um, Christopher Plummer got best supporting actor nod for All the Money in the World. It makes me wonder. Like, I'm sure his performance is great because it's Christopher Plummer, right? It makes me wonder if the Academy is just like, hey, Spacey. It's like a big that thing you. that you're going to get nominated for, <laughs> you're not even gonna, no, we're going to put the other guy in there and he's going to win it and then he's going to get an Oscar for showing up for like seven days worth of work. You know, like, If he wins, will he be the first Klingon to ever win an Academy <laughs> Award? Hasn't he won? I think he's I won an Oscar before. Oh, Hasn't yeah, he? he did. I think for, is it Inside Man? Not Inside I, Man. Um, oh. I, I'm sure he's Christopher Plummer Oscar. I'm sure. Let me let's fact check this in real time right now. What's All right. Well, he's fact checking that. I just wanted to mention uh, the best adapted screenplay. Uh, the fact that Logan got nominated is awesome. Yeah, like uh, that was uh, surprising, and it's like considering that it was best adapted screenplay based off of Old Man Logan. I think. Right. right? It's like, and those really don't have anything. Like it's just it's more of like what if Wolverine was old? That's the only two things they have connected. Um, I, I do like the idea that that's like some sort of pitch meeting where they're like, "What do you got? How about this? Wolverine's old. How about Wolverine's old? <laughs> I um, like it. Go on." I almost type Christopher Plummer old because we're saying that. It's like, yeah, I know he's old. Well, I know that's not he's what I meant yeah, this. he's probably in his eighties or seventies. Yeah. So uh, he won um, for 2012 for the film Beginners. Um, and then he was nominated uh, for all the money in the world. So it okay. looks like uh, so he did win a Oscar. I don't know how many other Oscars he was nominated for, but he should have been nominated for the bad guy up because he was really good in that. As okay. the, as the <laughs> uh, cantankerous older venture. Um, but best original screenplay, Get Out. Uh, I'm glad the big sick showed up in there. I still need to see that film. That's um, that's on my list as well. Yeah. Um, Shape of Water. That's also I'm glad to. Um, let's see here. And then it's funny because like you get into like the technical stuff, and it's all like all of a sudden it's like Blade Runner shows up and like all the nuts and bolts stuff, but like not like the acting or like you know best film. It's more like it's really pretty. It'd be silly to not nominate it, you know. Right. So, um, but I just wanted to mention I, I, I skipped right past it. Best supporting actor Richard Jenkins. Uh, he was the neighbor in The Shape of Water. Yeah. 
Oh, that'd be so. If one of the dads from Step Brothers gets an Oscar, you know, that would be amazing. You know, I would love that. Well, I always think or of him dad. as the other uh, half of um, the team in Cabin of the Woods. Yes. Him and uh, Bradley Whitford. I, I honestly thought, I think maybe I told you this, in The Shape of Water, the one lackey that Michael Shannon was in his car. Because the, he's like, you know, he's like, he's like, get out of the car. He's like, it's my car. Right. I honestly thought that was Bradley Whitford for like half the film. Okay. And it's not him. It's uh, David. I forget his last name. It's he's a Canadian actor. Um, but I was like, wow. I was like, they got Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins in the same film involving a merman. <laughs> like I was really, really excited and realized that wasn't Bradley Whitford. But still, that's pretty great though. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, let's see your best animated feature. That's going to go to Coco. That's I, I've not seen it, but it's Pixar. And why not, right? Like uh, Ferdinand, which is the John Cena voiced bull Ferdinand, that got nominated for best animated film. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, outside of Coco, I mean, the Boss Baby, I haven't seen and didn't have. Well, doesn't, you the, know, yeah, the Loving Vincent one is actually a film about Vincent Van Gogh, which each individual frame was painted, like people painted oh, the style cool. of Van Gogh. So it was like this large undertaking. So it looks like it's animated, but it's done like Van Gogh's painting style. Nice. Yeah. So that would, I think, just from a visual standpoint, that thing's going to be amazing to see. You know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so let's see here. Uh, there's other things in here too. Technical things. Don't don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Uh, the Razzies. Let's just get to that. Yep. I will say that uh, I'm a little disappointed that like, and I get it. Like, there's only five spots, but I. Uh, for all my grousing about you know episode eight, I really would have liked to have seen Mark Hamill get nominated, but I yeah. get it. Yeah, so. and it like last year I got nominated for soundtrack. I think I yes. think that's it. Soundtrack like, and sound editing. Yeah, and I, maybe like, visual effects. I would hope for visual effects. Yeah. Jeez, you know, like you know, whatever. But um, I think Blade Runner is probably going to take that. So maybe, but you had a flying Leia in the Last <laughs> Jedi. So I mean, that's I just said I've done grousing about the Last <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have Kylo Ren without a shirt on. There's some special effects there. Adam Driver's peck should have been nominated for best uh, special effect and costume. Um, so anyway, so the Razzies came out just before the Oscar nominations. And I there's people that argue, like, why do the Razzies exist? I'm like, you know, I... I understand some of their their choices are kind of like sour grapes. Like uh, they they sometimes pick movies that are critically acclaimed just to kind of bag on them. Yeah. Like I know the film Mother has got a lot of uh, like they, they didn't get nominated for worst picture, funnily enough. But uh, but Jennifer Lawrence got nominated for worst actress for that. Um, worst supporting actor Javier Bardem got like that. He got a double for Mother and Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and also, like, so they bagged on Mother. That's an art film. It's Aronofsky. You know, it's going to be challenging, but people didn't like it, so the Razzies are going to pile on it. Um, I I do like, in their listing, though, they come up with different names for the movies a little bit, like Pirates of the Caribbean 13, Dead Men Tell No Tales, <laughs> Transformers 17, The Last Night. Like, they're, like they're, they keep piling on that stuff, too, and I like that. Um, but... I, it, it, this like worst actress. You had Catherine Heigl, Dakota Johnson for Fifty Shades Darker, Jennifer Lawrence for Mother, Tyler Perry for Boo to uh, Medea Halloween as That's worst actress. Funny because I didn't even realize, like, I didn't even click with me that it was the worst actress car- category. Yeah, um, which I think it would have been funny if they would have nominated him for worst actor as well. Right, just, but they didn't do that. Um, but like, uh, what else is on here that's uh, worthy worthy of mentioning? Worst screen combo: any combination of two characters, two sex toys, or two sexual positions in Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> uh, any combinations of two humans, two robots, or two explosions in Transformers: The Last Night. 
any two obnoxious emojis, the emoji movie, uh, Johnny Depp and his worn out drunk routine, Pirates of the Caribbean, dead, dead careers tell no tales is what they say there. Uh, and Tyler Perry in either the ratty old dress or worn out wig from Boo to a Medea Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, look at like a look at the worst director though. Like there's like you have Darren Ever- uh, Aronofsky from mother, Michael Bay, um, Alex Kurtzman, Oh, I don't know who this Anthony Leonidas is, the emoji movie. He should win. Um, and James Foley for Fifth Shades Darker. Like, I feel like Aronofsky's done, like, he made The Wrestler. That was nominated for Best Picture. It's right. an amazing film. I, you know, like, it's just, this is a passion project for him. Maybe he shouldn't be on the Razzies list. So you had sent me, actually, the list, uh, and I was at work that day, but I was glossing over it. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's funny. I haven't seen any of these movies, but I'm like... You know, the one that I do want to see is Mother because it is the one that I see people talking about the most. And I it's feel like very that's, divisive. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's whether it's good or bad. I feel like the fact that people are talking about it, like nobody's talking about Baywatch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of under the impression that like I well, I shouldn't say the impression. I feel that, you know, it probably shouldn't be included and it's only being included because of the pedigree of people who are behind it. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm sure it's going to be one of those films that like, <clears throat> when I get around to seeing it, I'm going to be like, I don't know what I just watched. That, that doesn't mean that there wasn't precision and skill and, and thought put into it. You right. know? So, uh, and that, that just, just much like whenever I did, uh, when I watched El Topo, um, I'm not saying that, 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 um, Oh, the gentleman who made that film and I was going to mess up his name, that he wasn't, completely aware of the film he wanted to make it's just whether or not it's the movie that i was able to process and i feel like mother's probably going to be in that similar wheelhouse of like there's a lot of symbology going on there's a lot of things being said i don't know what just happened you know and that's a challenging film isn't a bad thing i think people immediately put that down as a bad film right you know, and and i feel and with having this like well-known cast um, I think people were expecting, I don't know, were they expecting Black Swan again? Because even though Black Swan got a little crazy, you could still follow that narrative. Right. Um, yeah. So, and, yeah. No, I was just going to, you know, kind of confirm what you were saying. But, you know, and when I look at the rest of the list, you know, like Baywatch, okay. The Chips movie didn't make it on there. So, like, are you trying to tell me that somehow Wait. Chips is actually better than Mother? Which I kind of. I it, have a hard time believing it. It didn't even end up in the worst ripoff uh, remake or sequel category. So. All right. So apparently the Razzie people really liked the chips. Or they movie. cared so little about it, it didn't even bother showing up on their radar. <laughs> uh, so yeah, worst picture nominees are Baywatch, the Emoji Movie, which I'm crossing my face. Well, I don't know. I feel like all these deserve- <laughs> You're really holding out for the Emoji uh, Movie? Maybe. I mean, you know, Fifty Shades Darker, The Mummy, and Transformers uh, The Last Night, which I was telling Steve before we were recording, he texted me about it. I was like- I, I'm going to watch Transformers eventually. I didn't want to give hard-earned money to the theater to watch it, <laughs> but I'll, I I love Transformers. The first movie is actually pretty good for what it is, and then the third movie is actually pretty good too for what it is, and and the rest of it isn't that great. Like I fell asleep watching the last one, and it was still an hour to go. Like it was, just, it just kept going and going, um, and so yeah, I'll watch it, but it, I don't I. I can see why people are tired of the Transformers and why this would end up on this list. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the other ones that are listed, you know, uh, Fifty Shades Darker. I mean, it is what it is. It's it's junk food, you know, and it's it it would seem almost hypocritical for me to be, you know, sitting here, you know, like I'm sure at times I've mentioned movies where people are like, 
he likes that garbage. <laughs> so like, you know, because I like my junk food too. So, you know, it's it's a little hard for me to bag on Fifty Shades Darker. It's not something I've seen or will you know willingly see um but you know you'll be forced to yeah and, and you'll like it <laughs> i mean the one that that sticks out to me is is the mummy just because like it was such a bad idea and i i haven't seen it so that maybe that's unfair but like you tell me like oh we're gonna try and kick off a you know we're gonna try and reinstart the universal monsters universe and like they kind of botch it in every single possible way um, yeah and, if, and there's it even just hurts <laughs> there's a story just came out saying that they're kind of backing away from the dark universe concept no kidding yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah so anyway i'm sure as once these award winners are announced we may mention it later but i you know for for all the accolades that these the, the movies that deserve oscar nods i think movies that come out and fall on their keys should be mentioned as well you know and and it's not so much just to make fun of i think it's also just to let these people like know like your production no one liked it and no one wanted it can we please not have this again you know yeah. and but we are obviously we keep getting transformers movies and pirates of the caribbean I, so i do want to say something else real quick because mm-hmm. like and I, I realize that this is a whole other topic for another time, but I just wanted to mention this real quick. Um, I was looking at um, Jordan Peele's Twitter uh, yesterday, and um, I don't remember how far into it I was, but somebody had gone out of their way to um, post that they liked something else better than Get Out. And I just want to say that if you're on social media and like something's been nominated for something, good or bad, whether you liked it or not, like... It, just don't be an asshole. Like, you know, like, what does that gain you to be like, oh, I liked this better than your movie? Like, just be like, hey, congratulations. Like, that's all you got to do. Or, you know, it's like... Or not say anything. Yeah, it's like there's no... It, it, okay, if your opinion... If you have an opinion that's different than somebody, it's like you want to... Not challenge is not the right word, but it's like if you say, hey, congratulations, like, I like this. However, I felt X, Y, Z about this. That's a conversation as opposed to just saying... I like this other thing better. That's that's basically like just dissing, like because you're you're actively letting that person know that I preferred something than your stuff, as opposed to having a dialogue about what worked or what didn't work for you. And I think because um, I like I follow um, oh what's it his name uh, the, the director Baby Driver Edgar Wright Edgar Wright I follow him on Twitter and he actually engages with people a little bit about that and James Gunn does too and they'll go back and forth a little bit about the merits of things and, and so doesn't um. Uh, Duncan Jones, you know, mm-hmm. so you could have a conversation about what you like and didn't like about things, and they'll talk to you. even like even uh, Ryan Johnson is yeah. having, he's having a field day right now with Star Wars fans. It's actually kind of fun because um, they're giving it to him. He's give, kind of giving it right back to him too, not in a negative way, but he's like right. they're kind of they're trying to prove a point. And he's like, well, what about this? And then people get quiet, you know. Um, yeah, I agree. It's just like openly just tearing down something and like tweeting at them. I, what does that make you look important or is that going to boost your self-esteem that you did that yeah yeah i just you know and i i wasn't even going to mention it but just popped in my head uh as we were talking here the the last few minutes so i guess you know the point is is you know while it may be fun to talk about the razzies versus the oscars you know the other part of it is is just don't be a dick so (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) i I agree so my message for today yeah so uh next thing here real quick uh so this is something Steve immensely wanted to talk about. Uh, yes. So, so I'll let you tell everybody what this. What After this is. seven long years, Superman finally found his underwear. You know that 
for someone that can see through walls and things, you wouldn't think they'd be that hard to find. <laughs> no, I mean, this is actually something that, like, and I'm not saying that, you know, my interest in Superman was, you know, if he's got the red trunks on, then I'm not interested, or I'm not interested if he doesn't have them on. But, like, I will say that uh, I always thought it was a little arbitrary to be like, well, we're taking that off to make the suit look less silly. And it looked just as silly without it as well like the red belt instead of the red trunks looks just as silly as anything else and the fact that uh you know he's wearing armor was one of those things that i just didn't quite get even though they're like well it's kryptonian armor and it's blah 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 and it's like so and i just feel like it's such a classic look that um it's it's one of those things that i i feel just you know, it's had its place for 70 years. Yeah. And around his crotch. <laughs> you know, I was excited to see it. And I do wonder, since Brian Bendis is coming back, I kind of wonder if he was like, because he's writing that, the first issue where the trunks are back. I, I can't help but wonder if he was like, yeah, I'll write Superman, but you got to put him back in the classic costume. Well, he probably wants to start, like, he wants to probably start with foundational, like, this is why I like this character. Let me go back to that, you know, yeah. type of thing, and I, I that's fine. I I will say though that the, you say that the image of Superman, like his his getup, is iconic. I, I agree because it is. It's we've had it for years. From a design standpoint, now I don't know if a superhero would be designed this way with having you know like the underwear on the outside and like the blue you know right the, the blue yoga pants or whatever he's wearing underneath. Like it's it's is it, it is it any less. I don't want to use the word offensive, but is it a less obtrusive of, you know, nineties design where everything had pouches upon pouches <laughs> upon pouches? Like, like whenever the X Men were like, "Hey, is it leather? Can I wear it?" Right. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, I understand that it's it's you know it's a design decision that was made in nineteen thirty eight. At the same time, it's sort of like if it ain't broke, you know, don't try to fix it. Yeah. In my opinion, so. I just think he needs like a good pair of like dad dockers and like a comfortable belt. And then, <laughs> you know, even though they did that for a while, they just had him in a shirt and jeans, didn't they? For like part of like a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, and yes, it is part of his history where like every once in a while they're like, you know what? We need to try and change his look. Cause if you remember, um, you know, they made him electrical in the nineties Yeah, and then they split him into two, um, <laughs> the red and blue supermans. And then, uh, I like that the plural for Superman is, is supermans <laughs> and not supermen. Like you're like, hey, when you got, you know, you're out there with your supermans out there. <laughs> I, but who am I to judge? My favorite character is Spider-Man. He just wears a onesie. You know, like, that's pretty much what he, he's wearing, a red and blue onesie. Right. You know, so, we, you know, they're just, I, I'm, I'm hypocritical. And I don't have a problem with this design. It's just that, like, I can see people, it's just, how, what are you going to do with Superman that you're going to be able to take seriously someone that runs around the S on his chest, you know, in terms of visually, if you didn't know anything about Superman? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I will say as well, it's not like they brought the mullet back from the 90s, you know, it's not like mullet Superman's making a return, but it, it does, you know, I guess maybe it is the old man in me, you know, the, the, the in my day, Superman wore red underwear on the outside of his costume. What if Bendis starts writing him having a mustache? Wouldn't that be great? Like, you're like, yeah, take care of that, take that Justice League. You I know? guess it's just one of those things that, like, it looks weird to me without it, so. Yeah, no, I agree, it's just, it, there's... It, I can see over time, like character design changes, right? So, like Wonder Woman's definitely changed over time. Yeah. Um, but somehow they still try to keep some of that flair 
or what people liked about the original setup where I, it doesn't feel as, I mean, I'd say it doesn't feel as sexualized now. Like when you look at like her, her movie armor, it's still, you know, it, it still lends itself a certain way, but they cho- they try to make it look more Amazonian in terms of like its history. It yeah. looks more like battle gear as opposed to she's wearing a red and blue bikini, you know, or whatever it was that was originally the thing. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think translating costumes from comics to movies is tough. I also think drawing costumes consistently in comics has to be tough too, you know, because you have to have your certain rules, right? So, I Batman looks like this, or it's not Batman. Superman looks like this. Batman looks like a certain way. That has to be tough from panel to panel to panel to keep that costume consistent. So I'm sure if you simplify, simplify it, that's not a word. Simplify it. That's probably still good too. Well, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you know. I feel like, as far as a lot of DC's designs in the last five to ten years have become overly unnecessarily complicated. Like Batman, you want to armor him up? Sure, that's fine. Um, but like Superman in armor just didn't look quite right to me, and it just didn't make sense to me that the guy who's the most invulnerable on the planet would invulnerable i can say that word um would also be running around in a suit of armor <laughs> i don't know um you know and i have no problem with looks evolving um it's just it, it, it just it's one of those things that's like you have something that's so iconic why change it that's fair so you know, it's like if pepsi suddenly came out and was like you know what our new colors are green and purple and you'd be <laughs> like Wait, what? Dude, when they changed the logo, though, from the original little wave to whatever it is now, which has been like 10 years plus, mm-hmm. I, I was thrown for a loop, though. Like, I couldn't understand why they would change it, you know? And I and it's like, it's really hard to think back to what that logo was because we've had the new one for so long now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, color-wise, it would mess with me. If it went, if the colors went Mountain Dew, I'd be like, that's not Pepsi. <laughs> there, there'd be a red Pepsi and a blue Pepsi. And, and they'd both um, have electrical powers. Yeah, they'd be electric Pepsis. Yeah. So, all right. Congratulations, Superman. You got your underwear back. Now go fight some crime and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So we got Razzie, Superman. Um, you know what? We're just going to go. We're going to go right to, uh, to the, the heart of the matter here. We're going to talk some Godzilla. And now for our feature presentation. That'll wake you up a little bit, getting some Godzilla roars in there. Uh, so last week we talked about uh, that we're going to discuss uh, part one of the Netflix. Uh, it's not a series. It's more of um, it's it's a three-part film, actually, is what it is. Uh, it's called Godzilla Planet of the Monsters, and the first part's available on Netflix. Uh, fun fact, it is available with an English dub. I did not know that when I started watching it. And uh, neither did I. <laughs> So I watched it with the with the subtitles and it was fine. It's like an hour and a half long and it's uh it's animated. It's um it it's really well done animated like in terms of like it's a high quality Oh, it's beautiful thing. to look at. Yeah. Uh I kind of wanted to bookend the discussion of this around Godzilla itself. Um, but I did want to mention to begin with that if you guys were interested in watching it, it is available with an English dub that sounds perfectly fine. You have to go into the settings and pick it though. And and maybe it's just me being a dumb American. I would just assume that if you have this available for the U.S. audiences, the English dub will be the first thing that pops up. Yeah, that's that's my tip for Netflix. Uh, if there's a English dub version of, you know, it doesn't have to be for you know um, live theatricals or, or I 
live theatrical <laughs> for non-animated I really fare. Do, I really do acting in some live theatricals. <laughs> but like after the movie was done, I was talking to my wife about it and I'm like, yeah, the one thing that should be easily dubbed apparently isn't easily dubbed. I'm like, this makes no sense to me. And then I got the text from you. You're like, by the way, there's an English dub version. I'm like, ah. I was trying to catch you before you watched it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, Godzilla Planet of the Monsters actually came out um, in, in theaters in Japan. Uh, November. Oh, it played and, in theaters. I didn't know that. Yeah, this was a theatrical release okay. over there. And for Netflix to say it's the original series, like that's I guess it's a whole other topic because there's a story out there right now that they're talking. Netflix is sniffing around buying the third Cloverfield movie for direct streaming. Yeah, and I, I'm just curious. This could be a totally different show about like if something just goes direct to streaming, does it affect your viewing of it as opposed to like it never played in a theater? Like I something there's still this weird stigmatism now, still like like Bright sounds like it's probably an okay movie to watch, but I'm like, oh well, I don't know, it's a direct to Netflix thing. I just I so I'm not gone out of my way to watch it. I guess I'm I don't want to use the word savvy enough, but I, I do at least know enough about Netflix to know that their game at this point is just to acquire things and slap the Netflix logo on them. That's like, fair. Yeah. You know, the arrested development season four they're like it's a Netflix original. I'm like, well, yeah. Part of this is kind of it is, yeah. but yeah. Mr. So. Slash Theater. That's not that's not a Netflix no, original. No, and they didn't even fund it. It was a Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, they just came in like you could be on our thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this was actually shown in, in theaters uh, over in Japan, and it's part one of three. Um, so I guess we'll just start off a little bit before we talk about this. Uh, not to get too far in, but it's Godzilla. You know, like that's something that. I grew up with you. You know, you grew up with. It's one of those things that you may not like movies, you may not watch TV, but you know who Godzilla is. Yeah, it's it's this iconic looking, large reptilian creature with um weird looking scales on its back and red trunks and red trunks. Yeah, it just. I mean, it's weird in this new movie. He got the red trunks back. I yeah. don't know. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Godzilla playing on the red trunks. Uh, so, is this? I feel like you know kaiju, uh, in like in large monster movies. People do know about them, but this is like I can't I can't quantify like how well known Godzilla is versus everything else. Like Godzilla, but you just say it, and people know what you're talking about. And right. I can't think of another like pop culture thing. I mean, that is just singular for its kind. And you're like, oh well, that's a Godzilla movie, and it may not even be Godzilla, but you know, large um, monster that destroys buildings and it has atomic breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I guess King Kong's the other one. This is the other the the one that you just people should just not should, but people do know. Um, and it, it, I started reading about it, and I kind of found out like a little bit about why the you know this one. There's other there's other um, what they call Tokusaku films that were more uh, giant monsters, but those didn't come until a little later. And Godzilla was the first one. And uh, this was uh, there was actually a film before that called The Beast from the Twenty Thousand Fathoms or Fifty Thousand Fathoms that was made in America that Ray Harryhausen animated, mm-hmm. and the producers that wanted to make this new movie really really liked the the idea that and the look of it, and they wanted to make their own monster movie stop motion, and they realized they didn't have the time and that the the Japanese animators didn't understand the process that well, so they're like, well, we're going to put a guy in a suit. And we're going to make a set that's relatively the same size. And I think there's something about the idea that you could film um, like a live action person in a monster suit breaking things and destroying a city versus a stop motion monster like King Kong, like the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, that I think that really stuck with people because it felt, at the time, it felt more real, Mm -hmm. I would think. So um, 
I, I mean, I don't know if, how much of a Godzilla fan you've been growing up in terms of like, I know you like the Universal Monsters and other horror films. Have you had a diet of Godzilla films or is this kind of something that you just always kind of have on the periphery? Uh, a little bit of from column A, a little from column B. Um, yeah. I think I mentioned this before, um, but uh, if you grew up uh, in Ohio, or at least I should say in the Cleveland area or within its broadcast area, because I lived in Sandusky, Ohio growing up, but we got uh, Cleveland channels on our TV. There was a show that ran on Saturdays called Superhost, um, and it was, I believe, six hours, and he would run uh, Little Rascals, he would run... Um, Three Stooges, he would run Universal Monster movies, and he would show Godzilla pictures. Um, pictures, like I'm in the old times. He <laughs> uh, would show some of those Godzilla talkies. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, my mom, when I was younger, would watch him. She'd like, oh yeah, I love Godzilla. Why don't you sit down and watch this? <laughs> yeah. And then, he told me this <laughs> when I got older, I don't even remember how Godzilla came up, but I just mentioned it, and my mom's like, I don't like Godzilla. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, where are you getting that from? I'm like, you used to tell me. I'm like, I have very fond memories of watching Godzilla on Superhost. She's like, yeah, that was just to like get you out of my hair for a little while. And I'm like, oh. She tricked you into liking something. Yeah. <laughs> so like my fondness is is from, from that. Um, you know, and then I've dipped in and out of the series. Um, you know, Godzilla the nineteen eighty five, the uh, nineteen ninety eight Dean Devlin, Dean Devlin, Roland Emmerich, um, garbage dumpster fire, uh, <laughs> which surprisingly has a, a really great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember that soundtrack being huge, um, and I remember the Taco ad, Taco Bell ads being huge for it. The movie itself, uh, not so good. So yeah. Um that you know, I, I went to the theater to see. I, I, um, I remember <laughs> it was just kind of one of those things where I just walked out and I'm like, "What? What was that?" Like, because I feel like the second half of that movie was trying to be like Jurassic Park yeah. with like the smaller Godzillas. Like, I guess that's the plural Godzilla. I don't know. Because um, like the eggs would suddenly hatch amazingly, and then they're running around. Uh, what was it, Madison Square Garden? Mm-hmm. And um, and then you had uh, Hank Azaria and uh, Jean Reno. Right, Jean Reno was in it too. Oh my yeah. god, I forgot he was in there. Yeah, and they were. It's just, yeah, it's just. I don't know. Like the fact that they lost Godzilla, the thing yeah. ran away. They're like, where'd it go? I don't know. This thing's the size of buildings. Where do you think it went? <laughs> He's just hiding behind another building, yeah. like hide and seek. And then they would do, and then also too. I don't know if you I've, you probably haven't seen it since the theater, um, rightfully so. The the beginning of the film talks about uh, the attempted bombings of the World Trade Center. Because like the Godzilla coming uh, to New York no, was like I a big disaster. Because there was that time when like there was an attempted uh, terrorist attack on the World Trade Center where they packed a van full of explosives and took it to like the lower parking decks, and that happened like around the time of the filming of the movie. That was mentioned oh. in one of the news blurbs while like you know the film was you know you see it in the background. You're like they're like talking about the World Trade Center event, and it's like creepy because yeah. it's like that's not no. No, and it wasn't Godzilla either, you know. So it's the timing of the film's a little odd. Yeah, um, and that Godzilla looks that one looks different. Than the- it's not Godzilla. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I walked out of that movie like I don't generally walk out of a movie pissed, but I was kind of pissed walking out of that movie. So, so okay. The, 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 uh, apropos to nothing, what what is the the angriest film that you've watched? Like the film that made you the angriest that you walked at the, uh, not walked out of because I've never walked out of a film. I because I always feel like I spent my money, so I should watch it. Um, what's the one that you're just like, you walk out just fuming? I feel like it's either Alien versus Predator. Uh, that was good. Yeah, that one. Um, 
Batman and Robin, but I knew walking in it was going to suck. And like <laughs> people wanted to see it, and I'm like, it's going to be terrible. Um, but I, those are the two that I remember like just being angry about. Yeah, Alien vs. Predator was pretty rough. Uh, you, this is this is the hot take. People are mad at me. The Evil Dead remake pissed me off. Like through the like through the second half of that movie. Really? I yeah I. We could. That's a whole. Other we can thing. say because we're going to be we're doing, talking about Evil Dead. Yeah, Ash yeah, we're going to be talking about yeah. that next month. But that remake made me so mad. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that there was one other person in the theater, because uh, my wife and I went to go see it, like like towards the end of its run, mm-hmm. cause she wanted to go see it. I'm like, yeah, let's go check it out. And there was like one other couple in that theater. Had there not been, I would have been swearing at that screen like out loud towards the end of that movie. That one made me mad. But the one, the biggest one that made me the maddest is Crow City of Angels. That one made me so mad. Like, ugh. Oh, you yeah. know what? I shouldn't even uh, admit this on air, but uh, I was kind of forced into seeing the Spice Girls movie, <laughs> and I was pretty pissed walking out of that one, too. So Yeah. So Oh, yeah. A Million Ways to Die in the West. I was pissed going in. <laughs> yeah. A Million Ways to Die in the West, that Seth MacFarlane piece of shit Western. I, like, okay, Mary really wanted to go see it, so we went to go see it. And I just told her, what's the over-under on three laughs? And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, the, like the, the over-under that I laughed three times watching this. And she's like, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> I didn't laugh one single goddamn time watching that movie, and I was mad the entire time. So, anyway, I, uh, the one Godzilla movie, not so good, right? So, and we, both of us were upset about it. Uh, that was a good talk. I like that. Uh so and then the new one, like you, you, um, you said that you haven't even finished the two twenty fourteen. Yeah, one. it's it's and you know maybe it's when I I have tried watching it twice and I've fallen fallen asleep twice <laughs> trying to watch it. I it you know I saw it in the theater. Um, I really was hoping Brian Cranston would be a much larger part in that film than it was. He's out in like ten minutes. Yeah, it's not great, you know. Um, and I think the muted color palette of that film doesn't do it any favors either. Like it's like both of the the monsters, which one's a male, one's a female, so they're going to look similar. But they're both like this muddy brown with a dark skyline, and Godzilla's not exactly bright colored either. It's a very, you know, like I there's some bits of action that don't involve humans that are wonderful, but the film itself is kind of it's it's slow and it's purposefully slow, but that's it was okay, but it wasn't great. So I mean, this brings me to the anime real quick. Um, you know, my whole thing with uh, that movie, um, even though I fell asleep through it twice, was that ew, when we were talking about the Dana Carvey show last week, and I realize I'm backtracking, but uh, I believe it was Robert Schmeigel said, like, you know, don't hold back on the punchline. Like, give it to him up front. I felt like that movie was holding out on the punchline. Yeah. In the sense that, like, I kept waiting for Godzilla to pop up, and I'm like, all right, now we're... We know something's going on, and we're with the bomb expert who can run really fast, and Scarlet Witch, and <laughs> which they're brother and sister in the Marvel universe, but in this movie they're married, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I kind of felt like, oh, there should be more Godzilla in a movie called Godzilla. Um, <laughs> so she, I, the actual title of the movie is "Brother and Sister That Are Married: Monster <laughs> in Background." <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the problems that I had with this anime was is that it was like for an animated film called godzilla there should be more godzilla in it hey you got a lot of godzilla at the end though like you got a I lot i don't even of know God- if i feel like i got a lot of godzilla at the end like i got some yeah. but like 
I feel like, you know, when you make a live action film, sure, there's limitations. So you've got to like save that for your finale. But when it's an animated film, you could make that entire thing starring Godzilla because you can animate it and do whatever you want, you know. But they're like, no, no, let's not show Godzilla in this hour and a half, you know. And I realize it's part of a three part story. But I was a little annoyed that like Godzilla was kind of kept back for the end. Yeah, I, I so okay. Well, um, just we'll get we'll get into it. I hope that wasn't a spoiler. No, but, no, no. I okay. just um, I, I there is a history to Godzilla in terms of like the the way that's been developed over the years, and there's a really good good long write up on on Wikipedia, which is where I pull my information for out of because you know why why read books, um, but and I know I'm not going to do any justice talking about the history of it here. Uh, in regards to Planet of Monsters, which I did find something interesting out about why this movie exists, and and I'll say that now before we get into the movie in general. Um, so Toho, who has been like the gatekeeper for Godzilla forever, mm-hmm. they made a deal with Legendary Pictures, which are the ones that produced the new Godzilla for the U.S. and then Skull Island and then the ones that are coming. They have a deal that Legendary gets to release live action Godzilla films only until 2020. So in the meantime, Toho is like, well, we can't do live action. Hey, we could do animated. So this is kind of their way of still satisfying like like the Japanese audience with more Godzilla. But they but they made a deal that they're not making a live action one because the last live action one was that Shin Godzilla that came out and um oh I had the note here somewhere it was in 2016 actually so it didn't come it came out after. The Legendary Pictures one, but that was the last live action one. I just realized you said Shin Godzilla. I thought you said Shit Godzilla. I'm yeah, like, Shit what? Godzilla. No, um, which I heard actually was supposed to be pretty good. I yeah. haven't seen it, but uh, but it's interesting that they because of the way the deal works that the animated stuff still allowed, but they can't make live action. So I don't this, understand why they would do that. Like, why does like, that? How does that hurt? I, I Legendary. Think, it like, seems like Toho's in a much stronger position to say what they do with their fra- their franchise. Yeah, you know. But I think it might just be because they know that a Godzilla film is still going to perform well over. Overseas, I guess you know, that's fair. so maybe it's more of like don't mix the message because the uh, legendary is trying to set up the whole shared universe thing again with Kong and you know like I just I need a Rodan standalone film and a moth a new Mothra like that's yes. what I, that'd be great um, and a new Ultraman film that would tie it all together. Um, so this is set in like um, it's it's actually the far future. You don't know that till a little later, but basically mankind was like at its apex. And then suddenly, not just Godzilla, but all these other kaiju start showing up, very Pacific Rim style, just laying waste to the to the earth. Godzilla kind of shows up as like the equalizer, but it doesn't care about like it fights the monsters, but it also it kind of views humanity as a problem too. So they, I like that they kind of treat it as more of like a natural disaster just waiting to happen in the first part of the film, where it's like, oh, Godzilla's coming, we're done. Like there's no fighting that we're out, you know. And so they try raising defenses. Um, and along the way, and this is where it gets a little weird, aliens show up. Uh, there's two alien races that show up. The uh, Predator and the Alien. The Predator and the Alien. One's, <laughs> one's called the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up these. Uh, one uh, is called the Thing, and the other thing's called the Thing. No, the Exif and the Bilisado. Um The Exif are like watchers, like you know, like your Marvel watchers where they just kind of watch everything. Uh, they've lost their own homeworld previously, so they're just trying to basically observe but not interfere. And then the Bilisado wanted Earth for their own resources, so like we'll help you beat Godzilla. So they built Mecha Godzilla, which never turned on. So <laughs> that was, I'm sure, <clears throat> there's a lot of money spent on that Mecha Godzilla and didn't even get turned on. 
Um, and so the humanity, what's left, the EXIF decide to kind of put them on this uh, spaceship that's basically the last humanity so they can go find a habitable planet because there's no way of defeating Godzilla. Um, and so we meet up like 20 years later, right, in this film where there's still young kids that that remember Earth for what it was and there's generations growing up that don't know Earth but there's an overpopulation problem, resources are running out and things are getting kind of grim. I kind of dug that. Like humanity was pushed to the point where they had to leave the planet because they couldn't deal with Godzilla. I mm-hmm. kind of thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then they they realized that like they're kind of screwed where they are. What if we go back? They're like, sure, let's just go back. And they're like, we'll we'll time jump or not time jump, but like hyper jump. And it's like, okay. And then they find out that they thought they were ten thousand years past the point in which they left because of science. You know, like because they were drifting for twenty years in space. But you know. Um, I don't know. Light speed travel screws things up about relative times. Like watch, um, watch that that movie, uh, Interstellar. That'll kind of explain <laughs> what happened. So they think that maybe, hey, it's been ten thousand years. Maybe Godzilla just died of natural causes and we're fine. And that's kind of what the thought process was. And so they send a search party out and realize, oh no, Godzilla's still there. But we don't really see Godzilla. We see like. Um, the suggestion that he's there. Yes. <laughs> That's probably what drove you nuts where it's like, we have a Godzilla signal. We can't see him. <laughs> he's bigger than any building, but we can't find him. Yeah. So there's a main character. His name's uh, Haruo. Uh, Haruo? Or something like that. I don't know. I, um, I, Haru? I think it's yeah, I Haru. Think, yeah. Uh, he he's kind of taking it personal that Godzilla kind of screw like you know took humanity away or tried to destroy humanity. So he has this plan to fight Godzilla. He does take it very like he, Jaws very, the Revenge type personal. Yeah, this time it's personal Godzilla. Everyone else is just more like, well, can we kill him so we can live there again? He's like, no, he took our home. We got to take him back. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so you know, but he also has suspicions about upper management because they're trying to find ways of convincing older people to just you know kind of give up their lives so that way everyone else can kind of live too yeah so he's not wrong um but so he has a personal vendetta against godzilla and he has a plan and the part about the movie that i love and hate is that they really get into the details of how they're going to defeat godzilla like three different times oh yeah (laughs) so um you know with the with the film itself, like I understand it's an anime and they're definitely trying to do something different with Godzilla that they couldn't do in, in the films. However, there's a, a mon, not a montage, a recap of what the story is up until that point. That's probably about five minutes where it's like, oh, uh, there were all these monsters on the earth and then Godzilla showed up and killed them. And then we had to leave because aliens came and told us that they could, you know, defeat Godzilla, but they couldn't. And I'm like, okay, that's a movie right there. Why yeah. is that not what we're seeing? Like, why am I stuck on this, you know, spaceship for 45 minutes getting all this background information and science gobbledygook? I I remember specifically thinking when I was watching it, and I, I don't remember which writer of Star Trek to attribute this to, but he was always talking about, like, when they would write Star Trek, they would write, you know, sometimes they get caught up in their own minutia of the science fiction portion of it but like sometimes they would literally write in a script you know data says something sciencey here and then they'd figure it out later because they were more concerned with what the character arcs were and i feel like this was like somebody was like we're gonna write all this science scientific minutiae and all this stuff about the the ins and outs of how to defeat godzilla and then we'll figure out characters later <laughs> yeah so. and there, there was characterization of the thing was lacking but so i i 
talking about Godzilla, and I, like again, I said I feel like I, I owe the character more uh, than than this because I mean, he you know the character exists because well, a lot of people say it's an allegory to you know Hiroshima and Nagasaki mm-hmm. uh, with the, the bombs dropping there, and 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 let's be honest, storytelling in science fiction got weird over there because look at the horrors that they dealt with, you yeah. know, and Godzilla itself, like I read that a lot of his uh, skin texture originally was based off of various animals and the keloid scarring from the people that survived the radiation. So, like, he looks like a walking scar tissue that uh, emits radiation, feeds off radiation, and you can't stop him. Like, that's... And and then through the movies, he became more of a like a hero type and more and the, a lot of the movies went more towards family friendly. So like the monster would show up and then Godzilla would show up and they'd fight and then Godzilla would have Gazuki his his son I guess yes it was Godzilla male or female I, whatever it's Godzilla um, so that you know there there was the initial fear of the radiation and the and the destructive power but then it became kind of heroic and kind of like he's the protector of the earth in this you still get that idea that he's protector of the earth. But it's almost like um, it's like a walking mushroom cloud. Yeah, and that to me was interesting. Like that, like they all knew that if they weren't exactly right with their planning, that basically it'd be all for naught. Because the whole idea is that supposedly Godzilla has like a like an electromagnetic magnetic shield around him that makes it you know you can't shoot him. Like it's just hard to do. But whenever he goes to fire up his uh, atomic breath, there's like a, a brief gap where you can he drops the shield and whatever. It's very video game logic. And they hit the one spot seven times, and then you win. Uh, I I liked that, even though they kept repeating the plans of how to do it and the and how they'd kind of argue about it. You did get the situation that this was grim. Like if they didn't do this right, then why do it at all? And they have a better shot at like ha- uh, like making a colony on the moon, which I didn't know was an option until they said it. Um, I. I like that they kind of very much like if we don't do this right, we're all done. So we got to make sure it's the right plan. I like mm-hmm. that desperation to it. So my question is, and I guess I kind of going to answer this on my own in the sense that like I realize there are sort of other kinds of creatures that are on the earth as well. There's those, I was going to say they're, petrosaurs. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. So the, the ship landed in North Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that pop up. And, but my question is, is that, you know, couldn't they have just landed on the other side of the earth? <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, if you have, if you have the notion that Godzilla is like in your hometown, then just go to the other side of the earth and then set up shop and kind of get your, get your shit back together. And then, then kind of do like a cost benefit analysis. That's my whole thing of this. Like, should we be here? Should we not be here? Can we have a moment to breathe here? Cause I bet you, if you don't go make it a bunch of loud noises, Godzilla's not going to hear you on the other side of the world. You know, right? that was my thought process too. But it makes me wonder if like, because they were also like, we don't know if there's more of them. So it's like, so you're going to deal with the one that's there. Right. And like, that's, I don't know. I've played enough RPGs to know that if you think something's bad out there and you're not the right level, you go level somewhere else until you come back to fight that thing. That's my thought process. I know I'm using a lot of video game ideas, but there's a lot of video game like thought process and how they tackled the problem. Yeah. Um, and I just wish, too, that like when it came to the individual characters as well, they're all wearing spacesuits, which in a film, I guess, works okay because you're doing a lot of close-ups of different characters. But, like, I wish they would have just thought to be like, you know what, we'll make Haru's, um, you know, suit orange so that it's easily identifiable that that's who he is or something to signify the different characters. Like, there are little thoughts, and I'm like, 
all right, why don't they just go to the other side of the earth? Or why didn't they like just, you know, try and give different visual cues for some of these characters to differentiate them a little bit better? Um, so I, I feel like I'm being overly critical because it is well, a no, beautiful it, film to look at. But it's, it's really pretty. And some of the, so I, I argue that a lot of the CG action stuff in terms of not just this, but I'm talking like other films where it becomes a big CG mess. I don't get like swept up in it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's epic because I'm like, well, this is all computers. But for some reason, because this thing was animated from the get go, um, there's a sequence uh, at the end of the film when things start happening where there's these, these speeder bikes, I guess, whatever they are. They have like pink uh, thruster jets. Yeah. And they're basically being like attack wings of like fighter pilots going after Godzilla. That's actually really tense how yeah. they're all flying down, trying to draw his attention. And the main guy leading the charge, like whoever they got, that was that actor. Cause I, I, you know, again, I was watching with subtitles, but his performance was giving this like, you know, sense of like, I'm we're, like, we have nothing left, but keep fighting. Like yes. I, that was like that Battlestar Galactica portion of my mind. I'm like, I like this a lot. Like I love the, de- I love the, the desperation making you make desperate moves just for the hope that you get one shot. Mm-hmm. I dug that. I dug that a lot. Um, and the soundtrack at that point, the soundtrack was actually really good too when yeah. it was like picking up. But the animation of the the, the whatever you call those bikes swooping down and like and, and like they'd swoop down, and get the attention of Godzilla, and then zip off. However, they kept like I don't know. It was just really cool animation, and it was a really cool sequence. I, I mean, it. all all of the like mechanization and uh, ships, uh, all that stuff is all really really well done, um, and it's animated very smoothly like there's no point at, during the movie where i'm like oh that's not a gorgeous shot like it's all really gorgeous yeah um it's just uh, at the end of the day when i get to watching it you know if i'm not getting a lot of godzilla and i'm not getting <laughs> characters that i'm falling in love with i'm sort of like well it's pretty but it's just sort of empty for me so yeah i, I but then there are interesting ideas i will grant that i i just you know, I guess something called Planet of the Monsters. I expected there were yeah. some monsters, not yes. a lot. Uh, Planet of some monsters. Planet of some Godzilla. Planet, <laughs> planet that there might be monsters on, but they also hinted at like because twenty thousand years have passed by that the ecology's changed. Um, like uh, the entomology has changed too. I mean, you actually had those creatures that were whatever. I, the sound effects here also were weird because when the guns were hitting the smaller monsters, I kept thinking that was the sound of the bullets bouncing off of them. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was they're killing them. It was no problem. And I'm like, oh well, are these things metallic or not? Because it kind of that was the way it sounded to me. Um, so that was you know that was a little weird. But then they kind of implied that the plant life there is like razor sharp. So how are you going to navigate through a forest if you can't touch anything? You know, that felt a little weird to me. You have these spacesuits that are like, you know, self-containment. Oh, right. I forgot yeah. about that because they, they make a point of like, don't touch anything. Yeah. But then the one guy's like roll, like touching flowers and everything. And I'm like, yeah. are those sharp flowers? We don't know. Like, you know, I, I honestly think that, um, and this is, this is the spoiler warning here. Do you know why they are called spoilers? What we find out at the end is the reason why the world is being the way it is because I think because um, <laughs> so they beat Godzilla they, they they trap him in this box canyon type thing it's actually pretty cool how they figure out how to, to defeat him it was actually that is a yeah that's I an interesting it. idea yeah so they kill Godzilla and it's like great and also they're like we're getting some more activity like what's going on and then this mountain I don't even know how to describe the part of the world breaks free and there's a much larger Godzilla and it's the original one that has had 20 years, 20,000 years to grow. 
I think because that thing was dormant and everything was like living on top of it, that somehow its essence was affecting the plant life, the animal life. So everything was coming more like it mm-hmm. than, than, you know, so that's my thought. And, but when this thing woke up, it was like, they're all like, all right, we're screwed. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like immediately, like, everybody run. Just run right now. <laughs> like, this Which, yeah, it was huge. I just thought it was going to end right there, but like, they do go a few more steps yeah, with it. Yeah. A little bit, you know, but I, as much as it's a cliffhanger, we know there's two more parts coming. It was kind of like a, oh, crap. This is not, it's not a complete story, but I guess it kind of is because you get the motivations for why they're coming back to Earth. They trapped and killed the small Godzilla, which was a large Godzilla. And then there's the even bigger Godzilla. That's the problem at the end. So I guess there's the story of like they won, but not really. So I appreciate that. But man, it leaves it just like hanging. You're like, well, now that like, you know, now that there's uh, um, the the 7,000 times larger Godzilla, how are you going to fight that and win? Because this one took every single effort you had to kill it. And it was barely, you barely got that one. Right. You know, that's, it was, it's pretty dire. And so I guess you got your second monsters. So that's your second Godzilla in the title. So it was planted of monsters, one Godzilla, and then a much larger Godzilla, plural. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to take it. Yeah, you know, I I just liked. I also liked how kind of matter of fact that they're talking about Godzilla's like power set, where it's like, oh, watch out for atomic breath. It's like you guys named it that. Like, is that like a common phrase that you know? And it's like the way they're just like talking about like Godzilla. So like, I mean, because you know, then it's set in this movie universe and all this, but it's like everyone was just very like like work casual talking about Godzilla's powers. It's like, well, what are you going to do about regeneration? Like, oh, you guys have really thought about this. Yeah, like, you know. So I, I I liked it, but it's just I, it's worth watching. You know, and I think if you guys like monsters, I mean, as Steve said, the monsters don't really show up till later. I, I, the first part of this, the space desperation, I was on board for. Um, so I thought I was okay with that. And like the backstory was not bad, but the, but the reiteration of the plan to kill Godzilla three times was weird. And then, then the whole pointing about how, well, we have troops in three different areas. How are we going to coordinate this? Like, I don't care. Can we get to them fighting Godzilla? I don't need to know about how the troops are going to safely watch each other. Each right. transport's going to go. I don't know if that's just a, like a, a, a storytelling thing that happens over there or what, but it was a little weird. Um, like the like the one point where the one the the one cargo ship was up, and the guy's like, "Can it go any faster?" And the girl's like, "No, we had to use parts from this one to make the other ones fly." And he's like, "Oh, well, I should be thankful that we're flying anyway." Then it's like you're flying the ship. You should already know what happened. <laughs> you know so. I don't regret watching it. And I read a lot about Godzilla and like, so here's things about Godzilla. You guys may not have known. He has a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. So there you go. 2004 MTV, MTV lifetime achievement award in 96. And they don't just give that out to anybody, you know, um, probably to everybody. Uh, I didn't know that there was a Marvel comics run in the seventies. Yeah. I actually would like to track that down because I believe they did a collected edition of it. And it's hard to come by these days because hmm. I think it would be a really fun read. Cause I, it, I believe part of the, the reason it's hard to find is because it's a rights issue for yeah. Godzilla because they also integrated like, oh, here's an issue where like Iron Man shows up for no reason. Yeah. So, so I mean, there was like a 20 issue uh, comic I was reading about it and they had they had him fight against the Avengers, had him fight against S.H.I.E.L.D. 
and and then I guess after the copyright ran out, they had someone uh, take Godzilla like a, a someone and then change him physically. Like they 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 mutated him into something else, so they stopped calling him Godzilla. Yeah, but he still showed up in the comics. It was like a weird thing where Marvel's like, we're not getting rid of this thing. Right. Like, we're just gonna call something different. <laughs> I was really wondering if it was that that was the origin of Fing Fang Foom. I was really really wondering, and it wasn't. So. Uh, I, I didn't know about the Marvel run. I, I knew about the Dark Horse uh, comics running Godzilla for a while. And then it looks like IDW had had the reins recently. And I mentioned that because a friend of the show, Kevin, who I do Strange Highways with, had mentioned, he mentioned these comics that I should read. And I was like, sweet. He's like, you could go and check them out from your library. If you have a library card, you have it like, you know, a tablet. I'm like, sweet. Then I realized I didn't have a library card. Like, and I went to go sign up for one. They're like, we need a utility. I'm like, well, this is going to be a while. Like, like Wait, they're asking for a utility bill to sign up for a library card? Online. You got to send a picture of a really? utility bill for, yeah, for the city, for Cleveland. Hmm. Um so there is a, a book called uh, Godzilla, the half century war. They says quite good. And then Godzilla in hell, which I read about is a five issue series of Godzilla, literally in hell fighting things. And there's like text boxes explaining the story a little bit, but Godzilla doesn't talk obviously. So it's like, there's one of the, one level of hell. Uh, he's in a city that he can't destroy. And I think that's great. That I is love, pretty yeah. funny. Uh, so that sounds like a, a pretty fun book. Is one of the levels uh, him watching Groundhog Day for 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> it's him watching the Roland Emmerich Godzilla film over and over again. That's a, that's a better joke. Yeah. Although uh, <laughs> uh, you did miss uh, him. Um, he beat Charles Barkley in basketball. I, don't know if anybody I, I thought Charles Barkley beat him in basketball. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh. I, think, I think Charles Barkley did the jam over and did the slam. There's a comic book adaptation of that, too. Like, I didn't know that. Nice. Um, and 32 films in total, uh, varying degrees of, of Godzilla-ness in those films. It makes me wonder when Steve asked about, like, monsters in films. I wonder I wonder if the original Godzilla showed him as much, too. I wonder if it was more of a reveal because that was a monster film. You didn't know what was coming. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much Godzilla's in Godzilla. I wonder about that. Um, yeah, And I also wonder later when you get to some of the ones where he's sharing screen time with the other monsters how often they get or how soon they get to that stuff i know that uh i think hulu has not all of them but has a a selection of godzilla films on there right now as well so okay if you're looking to take a deeper dive um i just didn't get a chance to i wanted to for the show and i actually wanted to rewatch godzilla 1985 because i actually haven't seen it since the 80s um but unfortunately didn't get a chance to see it but uh you know what I thought was interesting about that was is that when they brought Godzilla over to American audiences, they filmed sequences with American actors and they put Raymond Burr in it. <laughs> and I, I, we always joke about the fact that like you know these days they'll you know reboot things or you know revive them. And you know, much like you know, I'll use Star Wars as the example. Harrison Ford returning thirty years later, like they brought Raymond Burr back for Godzilla in nineteen eighty five. Which yeah, so what you're saying is that the original U.S. release of Godzilla in the fifties, they yeah. shot additional scenes with Americans in it to try to market it to Americans. Yes, if I didn't make that clear, I apologize. Um, but yeah, and then in nineteen eighty five, thirty years later, they brought Raymond Burr back for that movie. See, that's kind of cool. I, yeah. I kind of appreciate that. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean. So, Godzilla is endearing just because I mean obviously it's a big monster and it's the 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 the, the fear of science or or our man overstepping his bounds and then nature waking up and, and saying hey you can't do that, but there's also like the cast of characters in terms of like you have like the Mothra Rodan, um, um, the turtle, uh, what's the turtle's name, uh, Gamera, uh, it, it almost feels like this is like the. 
uh, like when we talk about connected universes and like the MCU, this is this is the you know the the Toho Avengers. Like you yeah. have your staple good guys, your staple bad guys. These are superhero films just with large monsters, and I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, identifying that incorrectly. It's pretty much what it is. Like I do believe the uh, they are doing a Godzilla versus King Kong movie that's coming out in a few years. Yeah, that's legendary. Yeah. They're putting that's why they did Skull Island, which I've not seen. I heard it's pretty good. I haven't seen Skull Island. I haven't seen it only because of the fact that uh, it did pop up on HBO, which we have. But there was something about the film, and I don't remember exactly the story, but there was something weird about being cut for the way it was played on airplanes. And they're like, that's the version that's on HBO. (laughs) They just don't show King Kong at all. (laughs) They get to the end. He's there for a second. It's just John C. Riley freestyle on the entire time. Um, yeah, I mean, I do want to see it. I heard it's pretty good. Um, like, I like, like as much as the 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 2014 Godzilla movie, I think moves a little slow, and I do feel they lean too much on the human characters that provide nothing to the movie. Um, there is some merit in watching that film, and uh, I'm hoping that Skull Island kind of cuts the chase a little bit better mm-hmm. and gets a little bit more. You know, like we're going to get to monsters fighting monsters, and so that I'm excited for the you know. There's something like I'm excited for the new Pacific Rim sequel because I love Pacific Rim. It's giant robots versus kaiju. And it's I will always be that little kid inside of me is going to be like, did they just use a ship as a baseball bat and just beat that monster down? I feel like like this Godzilla like movies. I didn't see a lot of them growing up as a kid. I watched a few. I will always be excited to see whole scale destruction like that. So, yeah, um, yeah I Godzilla. It. it I think it's so in our pop culture now. Like I had linked on um, our Facebook page the the brief scene from One Crazy Summer, and that's a movie in the '80s where Bobcat Goldflake is stuck in a Godzilla suit, and he ends up running across a um uh, like a miniature presentation for a new estate that's going to be built. And it's such a dumb joke, but it's so great to seeing him trample everything and then just you know reacting and being angry because like someone threw a cigar in his mouth uh, in the Godzilla's mouth by accident. So he's just trying to get away from the cigar in the suit that he can't get out of. He's just wrecking everything. I will always appreciate that. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I don't want to turn this into the One Crazy Summer podcast, but <laughs> really, if you're going to watch uh, any of the movies that we recommended, I would I would probably watch that one first. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, one Crazy Summer is a great, it's a great film. It's not a good film, but it's, it's a great film. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I. It's made by the same director, I believe, who did Better Off Dead, so it has that same feel to it. Savage Steve Holland. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would... I would Watch Godzilla first, yes, but I, <laughs> I just really like One Crazy Summer. So, yeah, um, you know, you just gotta see John Cusack. He needs to make that shot, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> hoops. Uh, it's hoops. Um, so I, I but I also, I, and then we'll put a pin in this here. Uh, I, I think that Godzilla as an idea has been been flexible, and it's shown in this play of the monsters where it, it's not just like a like not just a protector of the planet. It's like it's it's. I, I don't know. It is protecting the planet, but it's keeping it's like protecting it from the point of like nothing can exist. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like it, it's it the the idea of Godzilla can change over time um, and people's reaction to it. Like originally people were afraid of it, then then it became heroic. And now and now this is like humans are just pissed off at it. And mm-hmm. I I think that's interesting that such a simple idea as a as a monster that can breathe electricity and radiation can you can still have so many different approaches to how you approach that story. So for as much as Planet of the Monsters is is frustrating, it may not be successful all the time narratively with characters. I I did like that it approached it differently. It was almost like um 
it's almost like uh, uh, Friday the 13th part six where everyone knows about Jason Voorhees, but you know, like until he shows up again, he's just kind of like that talk of like everyone knows about him mm-hmm. and then you're waiting for him to show up, but he shows up way early in that movie though. <laughs> it's in the very <laughs> beginning, right? But it's like he exists in that world and people know about him and they're terrified, but it's almost kind of like they think it's in the past so they don't have to re- have reason to be scared anymore. Um, the fact that in this movie Godzilla is like it, it's a known thing and they were kind of hoping that that he, it would just be dead and the show up it's like the reality still is that you're not getting out of this without some confrontation I like that I thought that was I thought that was cool and the movie the movie's beautiful not Friday 13 part 6 it's beautiful too um, it's funny I uh, Planet of Monsters is a really pretty film like and the, the soundtrack on it's awesome and those speeder bikes are awesome yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, uh, you know, if you're a Godzilla fan, it's definitely watch, but I'm going to guess that if you're a Godzilla fan, you've probably already watched it. Yeah, so, you're probably correcting me on my history right now, so, yeah. What's that? People are probably correcting me on my history of Godzilla right now, if they're uh, that much of a fan. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would just say, you know, um, if also if you're an anime fan, you know, maybe you're not mm-hmm. into Godzilla, but you're into anime, you know, I would strongly suggest watching it, because it's, it's gorgeous to look at. Um, I just wish there'd been a little bit more monsters and a little less exposition. <laughs> what if like, the next one's like Godzilla, Planet of Monsters? We promise. Like this time, <laughs> this time there's monsters. You know, like uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll watch Planet the, of Two Monsters, Planet of, multiple <laughs> monsters. I I will definitely watch the the rest of this when it comes out. I know the second part isn't even in theaters until like spring, I think, over in Japan. So it's going to be a little while. Just the way that Netflix like listed it as a series. Yeah, that kind of. I, I guess I don't know how she label it, but that kind of bugged me. So I'm like, I was expecting more <laughs> from the, than what we got in terms of like, oh, it's a series. There should be like more than one episode. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, I just thought that uh, up front, like when they're describing like, oh, there's a gigantic monster war, but we're not going to show you that. We're just going to tell you about it. <laughs> I was like, wait, that should be the movie. You're right. Because they literally skipped right by all those giant monsters. Like yeah. it was like it was like a still frame they moved into, <laughs> like almost like a Ken Burns documentary. It's like, all right, I guess we're not. The <laughs> monsters not featured in this movie are, you know. Yeah. And then they'd literally be like, oh, Mechagodzilla, we can't bring him online. It's like, we don't even get to see Mechagodzilla. Right. It's just like, oh. Oh, all right then. <laughs> I'm sure Mechagodzilla will play this later. Um, so yeah, that's it. So uh, tell us guys what you think if you've seen uh, Planet of the Monsters, if you like Godzilla, if there's other uh, large, I'm getting choked up here, if there's other large monster movies we should watch, uh, just let us know on our Facebook page. It's Invasion of the Podcast. We're posting things all the, all the time. We have a website. It's invasionthepodcast.com. That'll take you to the blog. Something is coming soon that's not a Western, I promise you. I don't want to spoil it right now, but I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a part of the year of the knockoff. Um, yeah. Just, uh, something's coming. Something's coming. Uh, and uh, you guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music. Uh, you know, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and review us. That would be helpful. And uh, Steve, you have some things you wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, first, if you want to go check out my webcomic, uh, uh go check that out. Um, but also, um, in the spirit of Paul mentioning the RoboCop screening, uh, there's something cool that's going to be happening at the Capitol pretty much every month. Um, basically, they are going to be doing what's called Dread Central Presents, um, and they're going to show a new horror film uh, that's only going to be shown in 
I, I want to say it's like 15 to 20 theaters, um, and Cleveland is one of the ones that's luckily enough to have it. The first screening is tomorrow, um, and the two there's actually going to be a, a double feature, uh, Turbo Kid and Zombieology, and it's, uh, again, presented by Drudd Central, um, and I believe uh, I just saw that there's going to be free posters available for anybody who goes to see the movie tomorrow, and it'll have a listing of the theaters and I believe some of the upcoming dates. So... Um, you know, I'll probably mention it on upcoming shows. I'm going. Um, I realize it's short notice because this is going to go up tomorrow. Um, it actually will be 7 o'clock uh, Thursday, the 25th, uh, when the first screening is. But I'll try and be a little bit more diligent about uh, telling you guys about it. I wanted to mention it last week. Completely forgot. But uh, uh, support the Capitol, support Cleveland Cinema, and uh, check out some indie horror stuff coming from Dread Central. So. Yeah, and I and they've, they've played Turbo Kid before at the Capitol. I, I missed it, and I, I know it's on Netflix, and I didn't watch it. And it, like everything about that film seems like I should have watched it by now, but I haven't. So it's that, in my queue, yeah. and I haven't watched it yet either. And I'm just like, well, now that I'm going to get to see it on yep. the big screen, I'll just hold off. So yeah, so that, that sounds that sounds awesome. So all right. Um, yeah, so uh, go go see movies tomorrow, or, or hopefully you listen to this, then go see the movies, and then, or as opposed to maybe by accident you go see the movies and then listen to this and be like, I was there. You yes. Know? So, <laughs> all right. Uh, now let's get to our game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> So there's many wonderful things on YouTube. Uh, I, there's, this, there's this thing out there that I found called the Floppatron. Uh, it's this gentleman who, way smarter than I am and has way more time and equipment, he uh, hooks up all these different various older hard drives, like the, like the three-quarter-inch disk drives, ribbon printers, all this stuff, and he runs it through a sequence somehow that they all can create music. So he uses all these items to make songs, right? So... I, and I realized that the visual is not here, so the sound's going to be a little weird because you're going to hear these machine parts making music. <laughs> so, and, and so I'm going to just challenge you. And so this is like the first 20 seconds of each song. It's it was hard for me to be like, well, I didn't want to be like tricked you. It's this song instead. So you're gonna I'm going to play it, and you're going to tell me what it is. And if you don't know, that's fine. But I think you're going to know a lot of these. But All right. I just wanted to, to let everybody know about the Floppatron. You can find it on YouTube. There. I think he posts stuff like weekly. Like he's done video game themes, he's done other things, but this is all this is all music. All right. So let's see let's see how this goes. So here's the first one. Now to this video, did he animate it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he used computers. Like he just animated with all computer parts. I believe that's "Take on Me" by Aha. That's correct. So, uh, yeah, I just I was like, oh, it's getting to the melody like part at the very very end, but whatever. So, uh, let's try this this next one here. Completely blanking on really, that. yeah, really. It's from one of the greatest movies last year. Oh, okay. Um, oh, now my brain's like from from last year. Movies from last year. Uh, uh, 
brain hurts. Um, yeah. uh, if you don't know, I can tell you. You're going to kick yourself. Yeah, tell me. It's Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. That's the very beginning of Guardians 2. That's what oh. Groot's dancing to. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was that familiar with the song before that movie, oh, okay. to be honest That's with fair. you. So, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, now that you say that, it makes sense. Okay. Well, I'll give you one that you should know. Is that Enter Sandman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was Metallica Enter Sandman. I figured I figured you would know that one. So um all right, what do we got? Here? I got like ten of them. So I was trying to, I'm trying to vary the diff- uh, uh, difficulty here. Um. That uh, video killed the radio star. That's correct. That's the buggles. Yeah. So, which I find funny that it's all computers, and it was like that was you know video killed the radio star, and the computer killed that. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, this one. <laughs> ever was an 80s <laughs> anthem i think that's it is that uh the final countdown yes it is it's final countdown all right um well, next one <laughs> sounds like you already know what this is I'm going to say Eye of the Tiger. That's correct. That's Survivor. And all right. <laughs> I'm going to say the Arrhythmic Sweet Dreams. Yes, that's that's uh, that's correct. All right. <laughs> All right, we're getting to the end here. Um, gotta gotta pull this one out. Ooh, I'm I'm completely uh, befuddled. Yeah, that one's a little. I mean, I once you once you know what it is, you're like, oh, that's exactly it. That's uh, what is love by Hathaway. Oh my god! The, yeah, the Silent Live skit, you know, with Will Ferrell, the Night of the Roxbury guys, you know, yeah. So that one was a little, a little tougher. Um, all right, we got two more here.
Did you just Rick roll me? Yeah, I did. That's uh, Rick <laughs> Ashley. Uh, never going to give you up. And finally, the last one. You should probably get this one. I I'll mention what I'll have my piece about the song after I play it. that be the sweet sounds of toto yeah like so I, I i like the song africa i mean who doesn't right but i feel like that's starting to become like this like almost ironic like anthem anymore do you know like do you hear that the song gets played more now than i i think it did when it was like popular i, I just I think that's probably fair i just i feel like for the longest time it was like um journey's uh um don't stop believing. Yeah, I feel like that was the big thing for the longest time. Yeah. And somehow I feel like this is starting to catch that type of wave where like for some reason it was like not cool to like Toto for the longest time. And then suddenly like this is like the single greatest song ever made, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I love the song. Don't get me wrong, but it's like it's it's just I feel like there's like this huge upswell for the song. And I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't know where it's coming from. You know, it's funny you say that. And it, this isn't really exactly Toto related, but um the uh, 106.5 The Lake, um, which is like, we play anything and they'll let you choose the music or whatever. Yeah. Um, every time I hear that, I hear Billy Joel. So <laughs> it's it's starting to lead me to believe that Billy Joel is either far more popular than I believed him to be, or um, they've only got a small selection of songs. So I don't know which one it is. You get to pick is. what's next of these three songs. <laughs> yeah. So um, either Billy Joel is becoming hugely popular or more popular than I thought he was or um, <laughs> or there's just not that many songs to choose from. Like, what, so. Did you want to hear We Didn't Start the Fire or Piano Man? That's your two options that you can choose from. No, so yeah, the Flopatron, you guys should check it out. It's on YouTube. It, he he does all sorts of, like you, it, the, the, it, the music part of it is a little weird to listen to because it's like, you know, obviously it's that mechanical sound to it right but watching them all these multiple hard drives all hitting together at the same time for percussion and a little ribbon printer making those noises and that to me is just fascinating that he's able to program all this stuff um and he does he has one of the pyro march he has like all these different video game themes it, it's definitely cool to see like i enjoy the thought that went into taking this older older technology and repurposing it in a fun in a fun way did he happen to say? Does he say like how long it takes him to do it? Because I, I don't know that. Um, I just I never I didn't actually go too far into that. So, but I, gotcha. uh, I'm sure because he has a website that that actually does. Um, he references on the the YouTube page. So then maybe he goes into that. I don't know. Since it would probably be a lot of like coding speak that I wouldn't understand. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> like that sounds about right to me. I don't know, you know? So anyway, I, I, I always, I've been wanting to play some Flopatron just because it's so like people could do covers. I hear if you go online, you could find all sorts of different chip tune covers of stuff, which is supposed to sound like eight bit. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound, that's not fun because it's very limited. This it's limited, but it's limited just to his imagination of how he wants to use the different tools he has. Yeah. And I, and I dig that. So yeah, just um, hearing it, it just makes me think that like it, it's him for like six months toiling away to make like, 20 <laughs> seconds of take on me so that's why i asked how long it took um, it's like a player piano you put the one spool in and that's it you don't get anything else so yeah uh but yeah check out the flopatron uh so yeah next week we're going to be talking some comics in the sense of uh single issue stories versus um kind of it's 
single issue stories versus arcs versus events. Um, we'll we'll give you more information as we get there, but like um, the importance of the single issue story, I guess is maybe is that still important? Is it still relevant? Yeah, does it still exist in today's? I don't want to say market, but just in the way stories are being told these days. So. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be for next week. Uh, until then, everybody have a safe week. Uh, go go see those movies tomorrow if you or, yeah. or I should say later today if you're listening to this on Thursday. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I guess I guess run away from Godzilla if you see him because if he gets that atomic breath fired up, you're not gonna you're not gonna make it very far. Yeah, and apparently just don't land on the other side of the planet <laughs> where he's not. <laughs> 